like when you came to me, I love being able to say, hey, here's some mistakes I made. Hopefully you don't have to make these same mistakes as well. And I think that's a big thing that we can all help each other do in this community is that's what I did. I went to people and just said, hey, what would you not do again? And I think you learn more from that than someone telling you how to run your business because we all have different businesses, even if we're doing the same thing. Hi, everyone. Thanks for stopping by the Nashville AIMP podcast. I'm your host, Michael McAnally Bond. Today, I'm catching up with my good friend, Beth Laird. Beth runs Creative Nation, which she owns with her husband and hit songwriter, Luke Laird. Creative Nation is not only one of the top independent publishing companies in Nashville, but it's also got a firm hand in artist development, which I know is a hot topic for many of our listeners right now. In addition to Luke, Creative Nation's roster includes award-winning songwriters Barry Dean, Natalie Hemby, Lori McKenna, and they're working to develop artists like Steve Mokler, Cassie Ashton, and Mags Duval. My babysitter in my tiny, tiny, small town in Tennessee was the head publicist at Capitol Records, Regina Stuvey. I go home... I'm telling my mom I'm coming home this summer after my freshman year of college. She runs into Regina in the grocery store in my hometown. Regina had come home to visit. And Regina said, what's Beth doing? My mom said, oh, she's coming back to Winchester, but I'm trying to help her find a job. And Regina said, move her to Nashville. She'll be my intern. I didn't know about the music business. I grew up an hour and a half from it. I didn't even realize Belmont and MTSU. I didn't know any of this. My mom said, hey, you know your babysitter, your old babysitter, Regina Stevens? I was like, yeah. I'm going to move you to Nashville for the summer. You're going to work for her for free. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> yes, you are. She literally worked out a deal at the Extended Stay Hotel in Nashville, and I drove up and stayed two or three nights, worked for free for my old babysitter, and drove home and fell in love with the music business. I, I, I can't even tell you the feeling. It was literally like falling in love. Like, I was like... This is all I ever want to do. I don't know why they would even consider me. I don't care. I'll just do everything to get into this business. I think, too, I had such an outsider's view that I knew I had a lot to overcome. So I said, can I please come and intern again after my junior year? Moved up here, interned for free then. And then I was just like, I got to get to Nashville. Like, they don't post jobs online. What am I going to do? No one wants to hire me. So I got a job as a logistics coordinator at Bun Lady Transport. (laughs) <laughs> which is a shipping company for Nashville Bun Company, which is a manufacturing bakery that makes English muffins and hamburger buns for Pepperidge Farm and McDonald's. A far cry from the music business. Um, but I graduated in May. I started, I moved to town. I started in June. I thought I hit the jackpot because I didn't care. I was like, I'm in Nashville. I'm going to get in the music business. No clue. MTSU and Belmont have degrees and people are graduating in the music business. Um, so I'm doing things for free. I call Regina all the time. Like, what do you want me to do? I work for you for free. Like anything, like tell me about jobs. The nice thing is my boss at the bun company had, this is random, but he had previously been in the music business. So he was encouraging to me. Um, and Regina's husband, Ron Stevie took over BMG music publishing. At that moment, the receptionist left. Regina said, give Beth an interview. I got the job. I thought I hit the jackpot. The only problem. I'd never been to a publishing company. I didn't know what publishing was, and I didn't even know what a staff songwriter was. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I show up like, I'm not going to tell anyone that I don't even know what this job is. And I realized in that moment, oh, no, people have degrees in this. Why did they give me this job? So I think I had so much to overcome that 
I was so ambitious, like this is my shot, make it or break it. I honestly remember thinking I will stock the fridge, staple papers, do reports faster than anyone's ever seen. Because I just thought if I could do the simple tasks really, really well and yeah. I was super personable and answered the phones and made relationships, I went out every single night. I tried to meet a new person all the time, even though I didn't know anyone. It's so uncomfortable. But I just think I, in that moment, thought this is it. If I do this well, maybe they'll give me a shot at doing something else. And that's when I fell in love with songwriters. Um, literally, I met Luke there. <laughs> oh. So he was a new songwriter that had nothing going on, and I was the receptionist. Um, I was only there for a year, so that was nice because I moved on to a different company. But we were both just like, you know, poor and young and having fun in the music business. And um, the month I started, he had his first cut released. Yeah. Um, so we've been through all this together, which is really fun. But it was really amazing experience because I think I know how to run a publishing company now because of that job. Yeah. So I got to know every aspect of it and they let me help do everything. And I never felt, this is one thing people ask me about, but like I never felt too good to do any of it. Like I thought it was like amazing opportunity. So I was excited to get more work and for people to give me um, more to do because I felt like it was a learning opportunity. Then I went to Windswept as a song plugger. Then I went to BMI for five years. That really prepared me where I made all my relationships. Yeah. Jody Williams had just come into BMI, and he wanted to hire – I mean, he had an all-male staff, so I think he was looking for a female rep because ASCAP had a female rep, and they had a lot of female songwriters and artists. And so he was kind of like, you know, clearly we need a female on staff. And I was just meeting him as he's friends with all my friends. I think that he's – well-respected and amazing. And then I found out about the job. He was telling me about the job, but I wanted to stay with songwriters and, and publishing. And he offered it to someone else who had way more experience than me. And I wasn't qualified for the job anyway. And so he brought it back up after the other girl turned it down and said, hey, do you, would you have any interest in this? And I was just like, I don't know. He explained what the job was. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually the perfect job. I didn't know this job existed. So, of course, I was like, I have to take it. This is such an opportunity. And clearly, Jody Williams is a wealth of information, amazing, respected man. So I was so excited to work with him. Again, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just jumped in. And I think that's kind of been me along the way. I'm just open to opportunity. And I'll just say yes if it seems right. So I went to work at BMI. I was doing country, Christian, rock, pop, all different types of genres. He let me go create my own thing, and that's what I'm so grateful for. He let me go to L.A., make relationships. I got to go to South by Southwest and ACL, and I literally built the infrastructure and relationships that the moment I stepped out of BMI and started Creative Nation, I just called all those same people. And that's where all of my business relationships came from. Not even to mention that most of my writers I met at BMI. So when I left, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was at my kitchen table. We're trying to start Creative Nation. I don't have, you know, anything really set up. And there's a moment at which I'm like, Luke, maybe I should just go ask Jody to give me my job back. You right. know? Yes. I mean, it's scary. It really is. It's like I'm in an environment with like a 401k and health insurance. And, and I like those things. I do. A company card <laughs> yes. that I can use when I travel. And Luke was so ready for a change. And I was too. I just didn't know it until I left. 
And then I realized, wow, I was really looking for this. I really need this. And I started feeling really inspired. I started shopping his catalog to sell his catalog to figure out how to fund Creative Nation. And yeah. I learned so much. I mean, I'd never done that. It's like the moment I started, I learned so much. I felt like it was a massive risk because basically we're taking, we were selling Luke's catalog, taking his money, which would have been songwriter retirement. Right. And going to Vegas. I was just going to bet it on creative people and literally like, well, my gut, you know, I like this songwriter. My gut says they're great. Luke likes writing with them. Let's put our money into them. So it's a crazy concept really, but it is so empowering and exciting. It's hard to be small and compete, Yeah. but I love, I mean, I'm always up for good challenge. I always love fighting for the underdog. Something about that that's so inspiring to me. There's a few people who kind of told me I shouldn't start a business with my husband. I shouldn't start a business at all. I should just stay at BMI. And what's weird is, <laughs> this is just my personality, but the more people told me I couldn't, the more I wanted to do it and prove yeah, everyone the wrong. The more it felt right because yeah, you were flushing out every objection. <laughs> What is it about when somebody's trying to pitch you uh, like an, an artist or a, a new artist or a songwriter for one of your people to collaborate with? What are, what are the kind of things that you're looking for to make it more appealing? Um, ultimately, I think it's a weird gut feeling between me and Luke and Jeff. I think all of us um, would say that we're like the creative side and we have to all agree and Um, so, I mean, ultimately I think that that's the thing. I think starting out in the beginning, if it comes from a trusted source, Mm -hmm. that means a lot. If they've done the work on their own, if people come to me and say, Hey, I've written a few songs and I'm trying to figure out how to get a publishing deal. You know, I would say write a hundred and play songwriter nights and live in Nashville and get a great PRO rep and go to the NSAI workshops and then come in because you really don't want to start your publishing deal too early. Kind of like how I said you started timer with the label. It's really the same as a songwriter with a publishing deal. Cause once they start paying you a draw, you have to, that's recoupable and you have to make up that money. And you know, you only, your options are up every year. So you really need to get something going in a really fast period of time. So if you come in knowing who you are, having a base of songs, um, having relationships in town, and and really feeling like you understand the business on the most basic level. Right. You're just starting ahead of the game, and you're going to be in a better position to have success with your publisher. Do you, do you equate um, a successful songwriter pitch to you just being like how artists would be pitched? Like they should be engaging mm-hmm. their social media or like all that stuff matters now, whether right. we like it or not. Yeah, I think what's interesting is like it matters and it doesn't. So for instance, some people come to me and they have – a massive audience online, but they're not a great songwriter. So then I don't care as much about the massive audience. I think it's interesting because the songs come first. So the thing I want them to care the most about is being a great songwriter. If they do that and then they start working on their business and their socials and their relationships, that is the perfect combo because they get that – they have to take care of the art first, but then they also understand it's a business. 
that's a totally different place to be in than I just started writing songs. These are personal about my grandmother. Yeah. You know, that's like getting to the place of this is my art. It's about my grandmother, but this other song probably appeals a little more commercially. I'm playing these shows. I've met with these people. I'm taking constructive feedback. That's a different place. So I think when you get to that point, it's definitely a better place to be to then meet with a publisher. Um, But ultimately, there is something that is just like a gut reaction. So we, we have three rules. We wrote these three rules down. When we started Creative Nation. You are getting into the good stuff for all of our listeners now. Are you giving away the Creative Nation secret? No, it's not even that exciting. (laughs) Uh, But it's basic. And what's interesting is when we, Luke and I were like writing in a notebook, trying to think of the name, trying to think of like why we were going to do what we were going to do and, you know, all the basics. We literally wrote down three rules that today me and Luke and Jeff still talk about every time we're going to sign a writer. Number one is no assholes. Yeah. That's basic. (laughs) In the music business, you have to work with assholes. I don't want them inside my company. Yeah. So that's one. Number two, we have to believe in you no matter what. If everybody in town passes and nobody gets it, we passionately believe. Number three If you were coming to sit on my couch and have coffee in the morning, I would like to see you coming. I love that we have hit songwriters and we have new developing artists. There's something about that combo that's magical to me. I don't, I didn't plan that, but what I found is Everyone has mutual respect. And we also have a theory, like at Creative Nation, I think that everybody has to have their own lane. So if you want to create a culture of support among all the writers and artists, everyone has to feel like they own their lane and what they do is special and unique. And if that happens, what you see is artists support other artists, writers support other writers. It's like, man, I wish I would have gotten that cut, but I didn't, and you're so great, and I'm happy for you. Um, An artist go to another artist's show, or I just saw today like one of my artists comment on another post um, of an artist at Creative Nation, and that just makes my heart so happy because I want to create a safe environment where people can truly be who they are and find what makes unique makes them unique and then not feel like there's 10 people in that lane so if right. they do well they get to stay on and if they don't we're going to drop them i hate i don't like that feeling i think that the security and safety is what breeds creativity yeah so when i have these hit songwriters who feel confident in what they do and they're all unique and then i have new artists who have something to say and are really great songwriters the songwriters respect the artists and find this newfound energy in their new style and the artists love getting to go in and really get a master class on songwriting and they get pulled in sessions that they wouldn't normally get in as well. And it becomes this amazing, just, I love the energy flow yeah, and I love the, the way, it yeah, all. it's great. And everybody feels, I mean, naturally we're all competitive and we want to do well, but it's in a way that raises the bar. It's not in a way where, you know, it's you or me. Yeah. And that's true. I think mostly up and down the road too. We're all cheering for mm-hmm. each other. That's yeah. a big misconception that we're all competing. I mean, on some level, yeah, there's yeah, a limited amount of but spots, but there are, we cheer. If it's not to us, we want it to be to one of you. you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the way I see it is like, it's, I love to compete 
with other people who are great at what they do and it makes me better and it raises the bar for me. So like if I see you doing something at Smack that I haven't done, I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? Man, I need to like think of this or I'll call you and say, how did you do that? That, that, that was so great. Way to go. And I think it's just a different mentality. I don't want to kill your business and yeah. I don't want to put you out of business. I think it's better for us to have great independents that are really strong in town and together collectively we are, you know, we're really a force. And so if we can all share knowledge and help each other at the same time be competitive, but in a way that's like really friendly. I mean, I get really excited. Like whenever you guys have a success, that's why I'm always texting or I'm so yeah. happy because I'm just like, yes, you know, I, I, I want remember, everyone to win. Even when I came in, I just saw people doing it and I just knew if it was possible, it was possible for me too. So, right. you know, that it was never had a sense of, I think the bar just would keep getting raised all around us. And we were like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I like that too. And you also have diversified out into your own mm-hmm. masters. Mm-hmm. Was that a deliberate jump as kind of, or was it, was it deliberate as to this is what I need to do? Or was it a reaction to, hey, I want to get my, I want to get more opportunities for my artists or both? Well, a lot of people ask me this question. I think the heart of my company is songwriters. Clearly I'm married to a songwriter, um, as you understand. And um, I started with a passion for creatives. So no matter who I work with or who is at our company, I think the heart of it has to be songwriters. Like I have to work with people who have something to say in a unique way that, you know, is compelling to us. So it starts there. And then what happened is that I would sign these people that I felt like were compelling songwriters who were also artists. Mm-hmm. Naturally, before you could go and find managers and labels who were doing artist development, who would fund their project and help them along in artist development. But it was a time when I realized I was helping develop them on the songwriter side, and it got to the point where we were ready to record an EP or put out music, and no one was there wanting to fund their project. Yeah. So I didn't have an option. I just felt like, one, to protect my publishing asset – I needed them to put out a recording. And at the same time, I wanted to help them along. So we just said, hey, we'll fund the EP. Well, as you know, once you fund an EP, then there's artwork and then there's publicity, photos and distribution. Right, right. Yeah. So I think I, I think I went into it a little naive, not understanding the full cost. Yeah. But once I was in my heart for creatives, it's like, well, you need this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And so we actually got into artist development management and records out of a necessity to help our songwriters who were artists. And that's kind of how all these businesses developed. And then I saw, oh, wow, this is like actually a business opportunity because right now in streaming, obviously, um, if you own masters, you can make that side of the money and you can have more control on how they are introduced in the marketplace, which to me means they more have more control because right. I see them as the CEO, me as the manager of their business. Yeah, They say what they want to do, I have to go make it happen. So I felt like I was putting it back in their hands. And that was really empowering. And so I was like, well, you know, as we sign these artist writers, let's just help fund them and help cut this path and see if it can work. And it's an interesting time where, you know, as you know, there's a lot of roadblocks that we're still enduring along the way, but it's also 
a lot of freedom and creativity in it. And I love it. I think it's the coolest time to be in music right now. I totally agree. I think anybody who's entrenched in it and is not nimble is going right. to have problems. Anyone right. who is totally. can take full advantage of everything. Yeah, I think that's what, like right now at this moment in time, the fact that everything is moving so fast is actually an advantage to independence because we can change our business model tomorrow. And yeah. I can literally rip up a deal I did with an artist and we can redo it tomorrow. I can renegotiate because I'm in a long-term business game. I don't, I, I see it as I go in with these creatives as a partnership and the same thing with my employees. I want us to do this for a really long time. So I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried about this deal doesn't work anymore. Well, let's just figure out what does work because I want to be in a partnership with you for a long time or as long as, as I can. Yeah. And so I think when you have that mindset, you're willing to just figure it out with your clients as you go along and hire up as you need to hire up or hire out or whatever. I think it makes for like this great nimble organization and you can move fast and then that becomes your advantage. creative nations heading like obviously you're you're branching out and yeah. I, I feel the pain of that but it's growing pain ultimately right yeah and it's like it you is. learn to relearn the wheel every time you always wondered i thought that was so weird people would talk about growing pains and i'm in a lot of entrepreneur groups with people who aren't in the music business they'd be like oh i'm in a growing pain or that was a growth pain of course, I was just growing, so I didn't even know what they were talking about. And I was kind of thinking, please, you're at like year 10, you're making money. What could be so hard? Yeah. Now that I'm at year five, <laughs> I'm in a growing pain. <laughs> yes. Now I know it's actually painful because I think one thing people don't think about is once you get to a certain level, you have more people to take care of. You have to make more money every year to do the exact same thing. Right. And... You know, as you're growing, you usually have to invest money before the money's coming in. And I think totally. that's one thing people don't really understand. So, you know, you might not, you could sign a writer and not even make a dime until three years later. But at year two, you might have to pick up a, a plugger. Yeah. So you're really investing in front of the cash flow. And that's really scary, especially if you're like us and you're funding it yourself. It's yeah. really scary. But I think it's, you know, you have to have faith and you have to have a good team around you. You have to have a good business manager and attorney. And like I always say, don't let me fall off the cliff. You know, yeah. let me know if I can't do this. So you kind of have those people around you who like keep you in check. This Nashville AMP podcast was brought to you by our friends at Anderson Benson Insurance. Experienced locally owned brokers who take a creative approach to simplifying insurance and risk management. These guys are relationship people. And they have the experience to understand all the aspects of our ever-changing industry. They prepare all their clients, including me, for their next level of success. I have all my insurance accounts with them. Anderson Benson is an important part of my team. I have cell phone numbers if I have questions, and they're always available to help. Look them up at AndersonBenson.com.